You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Welcome to Unspooled. I am Paul Shear. I am Amy Nicholson. And this is a bonus reel. Bonus reel. That's right. We are talking to uh, one of our favorite film directors today. Uh, Ryan Johnson has a brand new movie out called Knives Out. And he's, I think, such an interesting guy because he often is um, talking about his favorite films. And we thought that this would be a great guy to talk to about what he would like to see on the list. I feel like his choices are going to be... Uh, really interesting. Yeah, because I feel like when you look at Ryan Johnson online or just his brain that you get to see on film, he's a person who I think really feeds his brain and his creativity by watching, absorbing, thinking, inverting, subverting. Like, he's a man who really knows film. So I'm excited to talk to him about this. Yeah, and you know, just to give you a little bit of background on Ryan Johnson, if you don't know, yes, he directed Star Wars The Last Jedi, but he also has done some fantastic movies, and uh, we're not going to talk about them today with him, but if you've never seen Brick, I, I urge you, go and see this movie. It's uh, so great. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's uh, like uh, a noir-esque uh, film set in present day. So fantastic. Uh, Looper and Brothers Bloom. Uh, and like I said, it's all uh, right now leading up to his latest film, which is Knives Out, which is a, has an insane kind of Agatha Christie-style cast. Uh, so it's uh, And he- my two favorite actors. Oh, yeah. Who are your two favorites? Michael Shannon and Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, look at that. Well, uh, please welcome Ryan Johnson. Okay, Ryan. Okay, Ryan. Okay, Ryan. Okay, Ryan. Let's get rid of all the suspense. Let's just start talking about the three films that you think belong to be on the AFI Top 100 list. Give me one. What's your first pick? Well, uh, and this is, you know, I'd love, look, it's hard to pick three. These are very, very arbitrary. These are kind of based on what I was thinking just in in the moment. And and so starting arbitrarily in no order whatsoever, um, 
uh, let's start with Modern Romance. Let's start with the, the Albert Brooks film, Modern Romance, uh, which I think is a comedy masterpiece. Hi. Ellen. Yeah. You worked for Peter Bogdanovich. Right. And we met at the Nickelodeon rap party. Yeah. Great. Okay. I, I have to level with you. Last night when I called you, I had no idea who you were. I mean, I did on an, on an unconscious level, but consciously, uh, I, I, I was real screwed up last night. See, I just broke up with somebody, and, and uh, it, it doesn't matter. I do know you. We're going to have a great time. Let's go. You just broke up with somebody. Don't even mention it. It's in the past. It has nothing to do with my life now. This is the first new date I've had. Honestly, I think the list is kind of light on comedies. Um, it really is. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> it's it's such it's a bizarre world that we live in that you know I think comedies are often put off to the side as not being like worthy but yet they're the ones that I think we revisit as a culture so much the fact that Groundhog Day is not on this list is always something that I that come oh back to oh my god yeah it's absurd yeah and modern romance it, so it's a movie it's a it, I, it's, I guess you classify it as a comedy I suppose you would it's about jealousy right and it's Famously, famously, Albert Brooks made this movie. He got a call, and his phone rang in the middle of the night. And he picked it up. He goes, "Hello." He goes, uh, "Mr. Brooks, this is this is Stanley Kubrick." <laughs> Kubrick like called him because Kubrick had watched this film over and over again and was obsessed with it. Whoa! And was and was like and was like, "How did you do it? How did you make a movie <laughs> about?" Je- about jealousy that gets to the heart of what this thing is. Um, so it, it, you know, it's, it's, it, I think it's an incredible work of art. It's a, it's a really beautifully confidently made movie. It is really funny, but in a way that is so off, there are not jo- any jokes in it per se. It's also incredibly sad and uh, kind of, tragic albert brooks is not a good guy in it. Like he's, <laughs> i mean this is this is kind of you know uh, this this is this is yeah <laughs> well you know it, it, I, I, i'm a big i'm a big fan of this movie and i think it's a movie that often gets lost in the mix because when people talk about albert brooks films i think defending your life uh is the one that a lot of people you know, kind of gravitate towards. Yeah, or real life, or broadcast news, which he didn't make, but he's so much the face of broadcast news. Yeah, and and is there, like, is would you say this is your favorite Albert Brooks film? For me, it's this and Lost in America, which I think is his other masterpiece. And I love those, I love those other films. I think The Vending Your Life is fantastic. It's, 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 it's great. But for me, Lost in America and this, and I went with this just because it's a little weirder if that's right. possible, they're both very weird movies. They're both have, I, th- I think maybe, um, I forget what year they were made. I think lost in America was just in the eighties. It's got, but it has that seventies feel of being really weird in terms of its pacing and really just kind of, it kind of goes where it goes. And, um, it's a strange film, but yeah, I went with this one just because I felt like it was a little more complicated, a little more interesting. Well, yeah. yeah. And I think it's like a fun example of, I mean, I feel like I should put air quotes around saying the word romantic comedy, but it's about, you know, a a couple just breaking up and breaking up and how they probably should be together and how even at the end, there's like an epilogue where they 
get married, but then they get, uh, they, then they divorce, but then they're dating again. And I was thinking in a way, it's like this manic version of Philadelphia story where Cary Grant is like, I'm going to get my ex-wife back. And that's what this is about. And at the end of that movie, yeah. I'm always like, I don't think they should get back together. Well, you know, I also feel like it has, there's that, that movie, The Breakup, that uh, Vince Vaughn uh, was a Jen Aniston yeah. movie. There's elements, like people have tried to do these kind of, you know, in a comedy or in a movie that's a little bit more comedic, like tried to figure it out. And it's, I think it's a hard needle to thread. And this one, you're right. It, it definitely finds its way. And I think he's such an interesting filmmaker ultimately too, because even if you look at something like real life, like real life, you know, is, yeah. is so weird. It's like very, like in a way, like Jules Verne esque, like he saw the future of what we were go- what we were going to eventually get to. Uh, he's really made he had an hour of two thousands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only four of these were ever made. Only three worked. We have two of those. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he invented the digital camera. He's like, it'll all be recorded on a chip that will then be downloaded. And it's like, oh my God. That's, yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's so crazy. I mean, he, I think that, I, you know, I, I'm picturing him calling Kubrick and being like, you invented stuff for 2001? Just wait, I'm going to invent the digital camera. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> for people who haven't seen Modern Romance, I'm kind of curious. Like, we recently did Annie Hall on the show. And, like, how do you think that Albert Brooks' yeah. lover, Lothario character kind of feeds off the Woody Allen character that he created? Well, it's it's very different because I don't think Woody Allen... Well, I don't know. I was about to say Woody Allen was never as never let himself be loathsome. Um, that might be untrue. You could, you could, I don't know. I'm sure he's got such a big catalog. I'm sure you could point to moments where you're like, yeah, but what about this? What about that? Generally though, Woody paints himself as, a, a, or at least thinks he's painting himself as a generally sympathetic character. I think at least that's my read of his movies. Whereas Albert Brooks is fearless and is never afraid to be just an asshole. I mean, um, in this movie, he is, and 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 generally, like he's he he he, dry, he, he pulls humor out of how unself-aware. I mean, I guess real life is the is the most blatant example of that, where he's playing kind of this egomaniacal director version of himself um, to the point where it's a blatant joke in the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he ends up burning the family's house down at the end just to get a great ending scene. You know? Well, what's kind of funny about that is like he's a filmmaker there. He's also a filmmaker here in Modern Romance. And it sort of seems like his films are saying, you know, filmmakers are prone to being unhealthy, fixated monsters. terrible? Yeah. (laughs) I hate to be the one to break it to you. And and by the way, as a bonus, this film has the most realistic depiction of the editing, the editor-director relationship (laughs) in the history of cinema with, with, uh, with Jim Brooks playing the director, the insecure director of this science fiction movie. And, uh, and yeah, and, uh, and, and Albert Brooks being his, his set upon editor and Bruno Kirby as the, as a long suffering assistant. Great. <laughs> I was going to say one thing and I don't know if it's, again, I don't know if my research, it's not really a world research, what I'm saying, but I'm going to say it regardless with Woody Allen and with Albert Brooks, you have both these guys who are standups who are also directors. And, and, you know, and I think you could even yeah. make that case for a couple other people as well, but they have their personality kind of locked in and Albert Brooks's personality on stage was always a little bit, more of an of an asshole, and I feel like that. Like it's interesting to see, you know. Like yeah. I feel like once they kind of adopt that thing, it's easy to kind of sure. do what you know, like play that version of yourself, uh, or you know, or a lot of the yeah, times. kind of play off it. 
Yeah, I yeah. think that's true. Yeah, I think that's probably true. All right, give us your second pick. Yeah. We're ready. We're ready. We're warmed up. Let's do this. All right, warmed up. Let's go. Uh, well, the second one, it's interesting. And this is a movie that I really deeply love. I haven't, I've only seen it like twice. So it's not something like Modern Romance or probably my other pick coming up here where I've seen it a million times. But I, you know, there's a, the list is light on comedies. It's also very light on female directors. And, yes, uh, there's none. And <laughs> Kelly Reich. There's literally none, so let's get some on there. So yeah. Kelly Reichert's movie, Meek's, Meek's Cutoff, I think is an absolutely incredible American Western. And I think um, it's a psychologically dense portrait of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of this kind of, uh, it's a wagon train gone wrong, basically. It's kind of very loosely based on a version of, of, of the uh, um, I think it was actually what led to the Donner party. It was, it was oh, kind wow. of this, uh, or it was something similar to that. Basically it's this guy who uh, volunteer uh, says he's a tracker and he volunteers to lead this wagon train of, of pioneers, um, across, across the plains. And he says he knows a shortcut <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't go and it doesn't go well, but that, that makes it sound more high concept than it is. The movie is very, uh, the, the movie is meditative and it is very process based. Um, that's something that Red Kirk is very good at is kind of digging into process. Um, and with a wagon train, uh, kind of, seeing how that actually works, what happens when, how they get, yeah, when, when the wheel breaks, how they, I mean, it's, you know, it's down to stuff like that, but the whole thing adds up to me to this kind of nightmarish um, emotional wallop at the end that I just, I just find incredible. And, um, and Michelle, uh, Michelle Williams is fantastic in the lead part. She's, she's, she's amazing. Sometimes I get the sense you don't care for me much, Miss Tetherill. Oh, I have no feelings one way or the other, Mr. Meek. Yeah, that, that, that's just a kind way of saying you don't like me. I don't like where we are. So that's what you think, that we're lost? I'd say that seems about the right word for it. We're not lost. We're not lost, we're just finding our way. I certainly hope so. We're going to make it all right. Oh, you don't need to patronize me, Mr. Meek. Well, that, now, well, now I think you're flirting with me, ma'am. You don't know much about women, do you, Stephen Meek? I, I, I know something rather. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the movie is sort of like the art house meditative version of playing Oregon Trail, sort of. Maybe that. Maybe I just <laughs> wanted to talk about Oregon Trail. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but you know, it is. I think interesting to. F I, I think to come back to the idea of like. I mean, it's not a. It's not a traditional Western, but this idea that we like as a culture, we do go back to this well of like, you know, frontier America. And I always find that to be really interesting as a place to, you know, this movie came out in 2010. And I wonder what it is that is so like why we are attracted to that, like that era. Like, is there just something like so what can we, you know, like what can you do there that you really can't? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there is a, and you'll see by my third pick coming up here, it's been something that's been on my mind a lot recently. It's, it's, it, there is something just, uh, 
there's a romance to it, obviously, but then there's also lots of opportunity for um, kind of revisionist take on it. And, um, you know, the True Grit came out the exact same year, 2010. And I yeah. think that movie is absolutely fantastic. Oh, I think so that's uh, a damn, damn near perfect movie. It's a much more straightforward, romantic Western um, I, although I think it's got interesting layers built into it, but it is much more playing to the romance of the Old West in a way that Meek's Cutoff is intentionally subverting and uh, finding new angles on. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it's something that's just tied to all of our souls as Americans, I think. I think it's tied to this notion of the American dream of you can go out there and find land and make your own way, you know, yeah. um, and the beauty of it, the natural beauty of it, you know. And one of the things that I think makes Meek's cutoff feel really modern to me is that you, one of the undercurrents in there is that there are all these women on this on this trip, and they're trying to say, I don't know about this. How can we speak up? Mm-hmm. Are we just being led astray? And there's this kind of undercurrent of like what happens to a society when women's opinions aren't being respected, which I have to kind of th- say right. when I was like thinking about you picking this film, I was like, oh, there's a touch of that in the relationship between like, Laura Dern's Vice Admiral Holdo and Poe sure. in The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. I didn't make that connection, but you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Did you guys see Certain Women, right? Her 2016 movie that Laura was in, actually. Oh, yes, I did, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That movie is so good. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's incredible. It's got the, rich, the richness of a short story, co- of a great short story collection. Um. I don't know how she does it. She just, her movies just have a density and a richness and emotional richness to them. They feel, they feel, you, you feel like her characters have lives beyond what's on the screen in a way that very few directors can capture. And she's really amazing. I mean, what do you think is kind of the value in one of the things I think Kelly does really well, which is like her relationship with her actors, especially with Michelle Williams, like mm-hmm. drilling down on just having this bond with an actor that you work with over and over and over again and kind of building this body of work together. Yeah, and I th- having just kind of listened to interviews with her because, you know, she's a director I admire. I just have tried to kind of like learn what I could about her process. It sounds like she is, you know, her process with her actors as much as um, building up like a comfort level with them is, I mean, it's so organic. It's the exact opposite in many ways of how I work just in terms of filmmaking. She really starts with character and starts with her actors and then very or puts you know they're they're actually you know i don't know they, they're she's very much trying to put her actors in the reality of of the moment um in a very experiential way yeah your 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 uh comparison to a short story is actually really the best because it's like you're really just existing with characters. Like you are getting, you know, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's, it really, the like, I know it sounds silly to say, but like the plot is somehow just less important than really wanting to spend time here and just watch them interact and be in their, in their own bodies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And she has that confidence. I think that that's something, I think you always admire the stuff that's the least like what you do if you're, if you're a filmmaker. And so I tend to make these like high, highly polished, like genre exercises. I'm very focused on structure and narrative. And, um, you know, I try and get these things working like Swiss watches. And so the directors I tend to just draw a lot of inspiration from are those who have kind of the confidence to let the movies 
breathe and let the movies kind of, you know, let the characters kind of just guide you and take you through. And it's not that I consider that like, you know, a higher art form or something. What I do it's just so it's just so different. It's like a magic trick to me. To me, I'm when I watch one of her films, it it it's like I'm a little kid watching something that I don't know how it's done. It's it's magical to me uh, in a really very real sense. Is Noah Segan your Michelle Williams? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start. I, uh, I want that on a t-shirt. Michelle Williams. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, but you know, but in talking about that, like, who, like, what is it, you know, as a director that you get from working with an actor over and over again? Is it a familiarity, or is it the idea that you want to push them, or like what, like when you are, you know, right? Like, I would just love to get a little insight on your process on that. Okay. Uh, it, it, two phrases I've learned to never say are as a director and anything involving my process. Is it possible <laughs> for me to say those words without Sorry. follow sounding like asshole? Asshole. But let me tell you, Paul. As a director, my process. Is, uh, uh, no, no. What it? What it? Uh, no, it's a very. I think really, really good question. I mean, what? What it? But it's a. Uh, um, it's comfort level. It's just. Um, it's the same reason that I work with. Uh, Noah again, and it's been a few movies now, but the same reason I like love working with Joe Gordon-Levitt, and it's the same reason I work with my cinematographer, Steve Yedlin, over and over again, and it's, I, I feel like if you develop so much of the work between an actor and a, and a director is um, developing a bond of trust, you know, that's kind of the foundation you have to lay, they have to trust you, and you have to, you know, you have to trust them back, um, and if you know somebody and you work with them before, that's there. It's like the foundation is laid, and that means you can put more time and more work into doing the actual work of focusing on what uh, you're specifically there to do. So I, I think that's one big benefit of it. I'll also say, just as an actor, like whenever I've worked with people that I've worked with time and time again, I always feel like I get the better parts because it's like those that trust mm. translates into doing something like they just have more trust for you they know what you can do yeah and then you get to like you get to kind of yeah you know uh, again a term that i'm not gonna like to use but like you get to really soar you know open your wings and soar a little bit you know <laughs> uh but no it's it's, it's yeah 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 you know? <laughs> i but, feel obligated to say that paul just spread his wings actually in the air so i can and i do have wings his soaring. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I could feel it. I heard the little rush of wind on the mic. We are, yeah, we are shooting this uh, high in the sky. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, Eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, so um, we are continuing. Uh, we're continuing on with the the Western trend here with uh, your third and final pick. So talk to us about this. So third and final, you know, I was about to call an audible and do something totally. Ooh. different. that's not allowed, though. Is no, it, it is. It is. Is that allowed? Yes, yes. Because we, we just talked about revisionist westerns, and I feel like I have another one. Up my, I have a, different, a totally different thing up my sleeve. Where I'm like, no, you know what? If there's a movie that I don't know, Amy, is, is this allowed? It's allowed. Man, you can break all the rules. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to say, you know what should be on that list? Unless it's on the list, and I'm totally messing up, but uh, is, is Paul Thomas Anderson's film The Master on the no, list? No, it is it not is on not. the list. There's not a single Paul Thomas Anderson you, film on the list. Yeah. Do you guys feel comfortable talking about that one? Are you guys Absolutely, yeah. That, yeah. Well, well, hell, let's talk about The Master, man. Because uh, <laughs> The Master... Is is one of half of a handful of movies from the past decade that I would use the M word with. That I would say, wow. for me, is a masterpiece. And I guess that just means that I emotionally connected with it and attached myself. And the movie lives in my head in a day to day way that is um, beyond, you know beyond any other movie, I guess. So it's not like it's objectively any kind of perfect movie. I don't even know what that would mean. But for me, this is a very important film, The Master. And um, it's a similar thing that I was describing before, where it's, uh, you know, I think especially starting with the work he's done, starting with There Will Be Blood, there's something, uh, and, and even Punch Drunk Love was kind of getting into it before. There's something organic about the way that, um, that Paul like forms his stories and tells them. And there's a way that, again, he creates these, the, the, the master is a movie that like, it has the complexity if, if, if certain women were, was because it was episodic felt like a great collection of short stories. This feels like a great novel. And it really does capture the complexity, the emotional complexity of a novel. And I feel like I can revisit it over and over again. And, constantly and never find the bottom of it constantly find new layers to it um it's another version of that magic trick that i was talking about before and um the relationship between uh you know between um all the characters between philip seymour hoffman's character uh and uh and freddie who's, who's played by joaquin philip well joaquin phoenix and the way that the complex, the way that it's not an easy thing to pin down, the complexity of it, and the way that I don't know, man. This is a movie that I, I find I, maybe I paint myself in a corner because I find it hard to talk about. It, it sort of um, that's how complex the thing is in my head. Are you ready? Yes. Say your name. Freddie Quill. Say it again. Freddie Quill. Say it again. Freddy Quill. Say it again. Freddy Quill. Might as well say it one more time just to make sure you know who you are. Freddy Quill. Are you thoughtless in your remarks? I usually put some thought into them. Do you linger at bus stations for pleasure? <laughs> no. 
you get muscle spasms for no reason? No. Do your past failures bother you? No. Do your past failures bother you? No. Do your past failures bother you? No. Do your past failures in life bother you? No. I agree that there are certain things about a Paul Thomas Anderson movie that really hit you in an emotional way that it 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 can't really be more like for me like when I first saw Punch Drunk Love in the theater like the energy of that movie and the anger and like in the confined space I will always remember that scene where he's like beating up the um the the paper, the paper towel dispenser yeah. in the bathroom. And it's like that anger and that rage. Yeah. And it's just, there is something about it that's so compelling. And I think here you're right. Like these performances are so, I mean, I couldn't take my eyes off this movie and I feel like, you know, uh, this is one of uh, definitely one of my, my top faves. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, but I, I always, I, but it, I think it also like modern uh, love kind of gets put a little bit on the side in the Paul Thomas Anderson, when you're talking about his films, because I think there are ones that are maybe a little bit more flashier, uh, which, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, I'm a jerk. I feel like people overinflate there will be blood and yeah. underinflate this one and need to, Need to ascend boogie hi- boogie nights to the highest peak for me. Oh, boogie nights is fantastic. Yeah, they're all yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, like, none of them can be overemployed. There. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, what yeah. I think of when I think about a movie like The Master, though, is how unrepresented our generation's greatest actors are on this list. You know, we love Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. on the show. We talk about Jimmy Stewart any chance we can get. But there's a lot of Jimmy Stewart on this list. There's a lot of Cary Grant. There's a lot of these people that are the greats, but there's no Philip Seymour Hoffman. There's no Joaquin Phoenix. There's no Amy Adams. We need these people, I feel like, on this yeah. list. Yeah. And this is a movie that really just lets yeah. them rip. I mean, especially for, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman has so many great performances, but this one, there is really yeah. next level for me. I, I love this performance. 100%. And Joaquin as well. I feel like the two of them, and the way that, yeah, and Amy Adams, her scenes with... Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and they're just through the roof. Laura Dern's fantastic in this movie. Yeah. I remember that was this was one of the first things when I became friends with Laura making Last Jedi. This was one of the first things that I started talking to her about was the process of making this. And she talked about how organic it was and how how much more they shot basically than than they used um, just because of that process to get to the point where the movie is what it is. But um, it's also a film where, and this is true of all his films, where the where the poetry of the story is inseparable from the poetry of the images. It's, um, it all works together. It's the whole thing is like a, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's for me, just an example of what cinema can do. Cause it's a fusion of the complexity of a novel, but you can't separate it from the fact that it's also a gorgeous painting that the, text of the painting is part of the complexity of the novel. I don't know. I'm, I'm, talking silly here but anyway and and i and i'm and i'm certainly not uh i'm i may say something that that seems to downplay one thing but i i will uh say it like this i felt like inherent vice came close to that kind of mix but didn't i there's things i really love about inherent vice but i feel like this kind of Mm. did an amazing job of of that novel thing kind of combining both things really well i mean i'm i'm still a fan of it but i feel like this really this really pulls it all together it's such a different animal. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, but like when you watch a movie like like The Master, does the director part of your brain kind of stay awake and hungry and say like, "Oh, I really want to work with that person. I really want to. I really want like 
Like I'm imagining you being able to get your hands on Philip Seymour Hoffman and getting to work with him. Huh. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, no, when I'm watching it, I, I, I may sit down trying to do that. <laughs> and then after a few minutes, I'm just totally absorbed and it's, it's, virtually impossible for me to even like watch it and, and think, okay, what's he doing with the camera? Okay. How's he covering this? Okay. Where's the dolly? Tra- I mean, it's, it, it's a movie that's very hard for me to disconnect on that level and to analyze on that level. There's a couple of movies like that for me uh, under the skin. There's another one of them, not to sneak another one in, but um, the films where again, it, the, the process is beyond what I can, you know, the, what the technical aspect aspect of it, um, you know, it, it, I'm almost not interested in analyzing that part of it because it's nothing I could ever, you know, right. ever imitate. And, Under the skin and, is, and of course, yeah. any of those actors. It's kind of amazing because, yeah. like, you, uh, when I watched Under the Skin for the first time, you, you're seeing things and you're like, wait, is this real? Is she talking to real people? Is this, are these actors? Where is this? Like, and, like it's like after you go home, like you have, I, I feel like I have more questions, but in the moment you're just kind of absorbing it. That, that movie is so that kind of, I love those movies that can kind of shake you up from the theater. Like you, you go in not knowing exactly yeah. what to expect. And speaking of which, you know, you have a brand new movie coming out and I, and I've done purposely avoided uh, watching trailers, seeing anything because I just have, oh, God bless you. Because I, I want to enjoy the experience of it. I love the posters. That's so far what I can say unequivocally. <laughs> um, and that's all I want to know. That's all I really want to know because um, I think that a lot of the times it, it's better to let the movie kind of unfold in front of you. And, and you're doing something here with Knives Out that, you know, what was the inspiration behind that? I mean, this is, you know, we come from a great line of, you know, detective stories and whodunits and things like that. Was that yeah. something you always wanted to do or inspired by? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, I don't want to give anything away yeah. for you now, if you've studiously <laughs> avoided it. No, but no, it's, yeah, you can probably tell me the poster that comes from Agatha Christie. comes from my love of Agatha Christie. And I grew up reading her books and I've always wanted to do a straight up whodunit. And this is that, it, it, it you know, it, it throws some curveballs curve in there. But it, it's it's the inspiration is to get at the heart of her books, and even more than that, to get at the heart of the movies I grew up watching based on her books, which were the Peter Ustinov as Poirot, yeah, on the Nile, Evil Under the Sun, uh, the Finney version of uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the ones that I, I watch with my family. And it it felt like this is the most fun you can possibly have at the movies. The big all star casts and the the movie has a sense of humor, but it's not a flat-out comedy. It still has tension and just all the things that I love about it, trying to get that into this movie. So. When you're building a movie like this, and I just, you know, how just how you approached it, when do you figure out the whodunit, do you figure out the whodunit element at the beginning and then work towards it? Or like, or are you figuring it out as you're writing, like, you know, when you're, because obviously you have to have a twist yeah. and a turn. Like, how did you come up with, that, you know, without you don't have to talk about the specific of the movie, but just the idea of like yeah. what what part of that process did you figure that turn? I mean, I, I mean, I kind of like I don't know because one of the dangers of a whodunit, and this is the reason why Hitchcock hated whodunits, famously hated them, is because they're the anti-Hitchcock movie. They they're a, a clue gathering as a big build up to a surprise at the end. Right. And it's like, can you guess it? Yes or no? And maybe you can, maybe you can't. Who cares? Uh, and so. 
I really started thinking about this more just from a pure narrative standpoint of, you know, I love whodunits, but I do kind of agree with Hitchcock that that's a pitfall of them. How do I build a story that is going to engage an audience with a character they care about and really pull them through on kind of an emotional story level ride and still have all the stuff I love about kind of the puzzle solving, uh, um, the puzzle solving element of it. So I, I try to approach it not as a game of clue, basically. Um, right. That, that was kind of how I kind of tried to come at it. Well, I don't want to lord this over Paul, but I've seen Knives Out twice. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> and I have to say, like, if it was just a whodunit, then you watch it once. You're like, that's who did it. I enjoyed the movie even more the second time knowing who did it. Like that, I, right. I enjoyed yeah. getting inside your brain and being like, "Oh, I see everything you did there, Ryan Johnson, you you <laughs> dastardly director." <laughs> oh, that makes me happy. Yeah, that's how it's designed: is to be, it's it's supposed to be a roller coaster ride, not a crossword puzzle, basically. So, but with a crossword puzzle layered in there, so second time you watch it, you can kind of follow along. And shake your shake your tiny fist in the air. Well, I, I will say that also uh, one of the things. Just speaking about crossword puzzles, I do have to say thank you because you uh, watching you on Twitter, you know, brag about your your speed and uh, ability at the crossword puzzle. Finally, after many years, made me try to approach them, and uh, I'm getting better. Are you in? I'm in. I'm. I look. I'm only up to Wednesdays, so I'm uh, like I, I'm trying, I, but I'm Good. I'm new. I'm Good. two year two years in, and I'm I can I can get up to a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, I'm you trying. guys are impressive. I, I love can't. it. Do you do it? I do it on my phone, on the yeah, app, the New York the Times. App? Yep. You're on the phone, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's great. It totally works. It, and you can see it's a, uh, it's a gra- there's a grammar to it. It's, yes. You can learn it, and you do get better at it. You realize, oh, they're using, they use, Brian Eno is all. <laughs> yes, the there's, a, there's a handful of things. Oh, no. <laughs> once you know about, about Ents from The Lord of the Rings, you're set. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> so... But yeah, yeah, that's great, man. Oh, I'm glad that you're into it. No, I love it. And I will just say one other thing uh, as we, we're, we're wrapping up here, too. You know, one of the things I oh uh, uh, one of the things I I always find really impressive about you, um, besides the fact that you're a fantastic filmmaker and I love your films, but you really give Go it on. up. <laughs> but you give it up for <laughs> other filmmakers who are making films alongside of you, and I and I feel like you really have a willingness to call out, you know, what you like in in popular culture or talk about film, you know, your contemporaries. And it's, it's, it seemingly is a rare thing to see. So, you know, like I think a lot of people look backwards and I know that you, you also, you know, applaud people from the past, but I think you uh, put people up on a pedestal that are your contemporaries. And I think that that's such a cool uh, thing to do. Oh, that's cool of you to say, well, I, I mean, it's a great time to be a film fan right now, man. There's so many amazing voices who are, kind of at the peak of their powers right now, making great stuff. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, if I call something out, I'm just excited. There's a lot of great, there's a lot of great shit out there, man. We got to, Let's make our own list. Yeah, I know. Well, make that's our own list. Come that's on. that's what Amy and I have been talking about. We have to get some stuff on here and, and kind of you know even the playing field and yeah. and 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 open it up a little bit too. You know, it's like you don't need like, as great as a lot of famous directors are. You don't need to have every one of their films yeah. represented. You know, have a it's a it's the yeah. uh, the Sizzler salad bar. Like, let's get in the Ponderosa salad bar. Let's get in there. <laughs> let's have a, a little bit of everything. We get some peaches and you get some uh, tuna fish salad. We'll do a whole a whole mix. No, I was. <laughs> I, 
I was more excited about this prospect before that analogy came into play, but I'm still with you. I'm still with you, man. I'm with I'm with the two of you. Also, just as an aside, just looking at I was just looking at Kelly Reichert's uh, filmography, and I see she has a new film coming out called First Cow, which I know nothing about, and until I do. I will assume it is a movie about a cow becoming president. <laughs> about a cow like. By the way, I mean I'm in. Like, let's get, bring that to Pixar right now. I mean, I, get that out before the election. Like basically, yeah, a cow and and her husband and like the the cow becomes president and this first cow. It's like the the wacky bull who's like the first cow in the White House. I would like to imagine it. it it's about you know the spouse of the president. That like, <laughs> well, that's, yeah. what I'm that's what I'm saying. That, that, oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So a farmer be becomes president, or maybe a yeah. It's about when we finally maybe. accept bestiality in this nation, oh, man. And, a, and a farmer becomes president Wait, because we care when, so much about the Midwest. We take our obsession with Midwestern politics to the ultimate level. Okay, I'll stop. Don't. But you, what you're <laughs> what you're robbing from me is the, is is the line. There's nothing in the Constitution that says a cow can't be president. And <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not making the movie. That's a deal breaker. I'm sorry. I'm not making the movie. What if they renamed it the Constitution? The Constitution. You're going in deep. You oh lost my the thread. gosh! You lost the thread. Straight from the formula, and we paid the price. No one wants to see the three amigos on the town in Manhattan. Thank you, Ryan Johnson. Those were fantastic picks. Make sure you go uh, check out Knives Out in theaters right now. And all the films that he suggested are available to stream wherever you get your streaming films. Um, I definitely want to check out a little bit more of Kelly Reichardt's uh, filmography. I feel like that's uh, a director that I prepared for on this, but I don't really know that much about. I really look forward to you learning how to fix a wagon wheel. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time for A Regular Unspooled. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.